Um, hey, Kathy Dane, uh, can you come up here real quick? If uh, you could turn around so everyone can see your uh, T-shirt. This is from like 19 years ago at Cornerstone. 18? Okay. And still in good shape. Good job, Kathy. Uh, well, at this time, we're going to officially start our uh, annual meeting, the business part of it. And so we cannot do that without the chairman of the elder board. So, Kumi, why don't you come? Let's welcome him. Wow, I got a picture. Yeah. How do I switch that off? I don't want them looking at that the whole time. Seriously. Okay, I am calling this... Uh, Annual meeting to order, so be in order. And uh, I'm going to open us up with prayer, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are a sovereign God, a God of full control, and that we can rely on you, and that you care for us. Just pray that you would be with us this evening, in this meeting, that we would be able to communicate uh, all that you put on our hearts and that the congregation would feel loved by you and cared for. So we just ask your blessing on our time together. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, at this time, I would like to recognize the elder of the meeting, which is the elder, uh, the elder, the secretary of the meeting, which is the secretary of the elder board, which is Mr. Carlos Cuellar. That is our secretary this evening. And also, I'd like to recognize our tellers who will be counting you as you exercise tonight. Uh, Mike Martinez, Yap Van Barsel, and Aaron Varela. So at this time, we're going to do two things at once because we value your time. We're going to have you raise your hand and have the uh, tellers count you. And we're going to have the reading of the 2011 minutes by Mr. Carlos Cuellar. So Carlos, if you could come up. So if you guys could exercise, if you get tired... Then just raise the other hand, but don't none of this, none of this, only only one, only one at a time, okay? Brian, okay, Brian. Oh, I'm sorry, members, please raise your hand. Members only, please raise your hand. Voting members, you have to be 18 years or older to be uh, voting tonight. All right. I got to read this while keeping my hand up. All right, I'm going to just quickly, I think I can do this before they do the count, but we're going to go through the minutes real quick from, January, or from uh, June's meeting. Um, the uh, meeting was called to order by Paul Kumoto. The opening prayer was given by Bill Payne. Uh, there was a recognition of the secretary and the, the quorum that was appointed and recognized, um, or the teller, sorry, and then the, we determined the quorum. Uh, opening remarks and message were from Milton, Vincent. Uh, we... Um, Oversaw or discussed the voting for the 2011 and 2012 officers of Elder and Deacon, and that was led by Paul Komodo. Missions report was given by Mike Berry. Care group report by Carlos Lantiaco. The financial update by Alvin Davis. Uh, children's ministry update was given by myself, uh, as well as the facilities um, update. And we had a motion for adjournment and closing prayer by Paul Komodo. Wow. That's it. All right.
Okay, we have an Awana joke. Um, this is going to be Wednesday night, so for you youth that are here, you're going to have to laugh again Wednesday night. But uh, these two people were driving in the country, and, uh, and they realized they were lost. And so they had to uh, pull over finally, and, and the, the wife actually convinced the husband to finally pull over, and let's ask this farmer how to get to where we need to get to. So they stopped and asked, hey, sir, can you really help us out here? Uh, you know, we need to get to the center of town, to City Hall, and is there any way you can give us directions there? Oh, sure. I'll give you directions. So you go up the street, and when you see uh, the, the uh, third mailbox, you turn right, and then you go over there and go over the hill, and when you see the milk store, you take a left. And so he kept going on, gave him several directions, and so these people say, okay, thanks, I think I got it. And so they drove off, and they did all the directions. And uh, about half hour later, they looked around, they go, wait a minute, we're back where we started. And they saw the farmer again, they stopped, and they go, hey, these directions you gave us ended up right back here. And he said, yeah, I want to make sure you could follow directions before I gave you the real directions. So It has something to do with God's will that we're studying Wednesday night, so... Are we good? Uh-oh. Come on. What? Okay. Okay, re- re- relax now. Stretch a little bit. We might have to raise them up again. So. We're good. And the quorum is? 108. 108. Okay, thank you guys for participating. Excellent job. Uh, you stretch out in the morning. You might feel that a little bit. So... Um, And remember the rules, the rules for moving. When you raise your hand, you're recognized to make a motion. You must state your name for the help of the uh, person up here. State your name and and then the secretary can record your name that you made a motion. So at this time, I will accept a motion to accept the 2011 minutes as read by our secretary. You got to move or we're going to be here forever. Kathy Dane moves. Do we have a second? Jenny Swenson, you're supposed to say your name. Jenny Swenson seconds. Are there any further questions or discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion is carried. Okay, at this time, uh, we're going to have our pastor come up with his report on the 2011 and also the aspects of vision for 2012. We start tonight as we normally do our uh, annual meetings uh, with our church's uh, mission statement. You can say it together with me. We exist to glorify God by experiencing the gospel in all of its fullness, exalting the Lord through worship, edifying the saints through mutual ministry and evangelizing the world through outreach. That is what we are all about. This morning we focused in particular on the first aspect of our uh, church's mission, and that is to experience the gospel in all of its fullness. 
Uh, it is our desire to uh, experience all of the fullness of God, not just some of it, but all of it that God makes available to uh, us. We saw this morning that if we are going to be a church body that lives up to its destiny to be a manifestation of the fullness of God, then we must realize that fullness in God is a choice. We must stop looking to other things for the fullness that only God can give us. We need to be willing to stand before, kneel before, gather together with all that we are, all that we have, our whole church and all the ways that we're accustomed to doing things and all that is precious to us to stand before this God and break forth upon us. And we are surrendered to and we will accept whatever the ensuing flood might do to us as a church and as individuals. We also talked a bit this morning how that uh, our pastors, the elders here at Cornerstone, must do their job of equipping the people of God for the work of ministry and that every member of this church, without exception, needs to be engaged in the work of the ministry, embracing the ministry that God has given to them, ministering to the body and also representing the church and ministry to the lost. Well, we also saw this morning that part of the fullness that we enjoy as a church is a fullness that comes to us in the form of souls, uh, people who uh, are saved or who know the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God brings to us in whom is Jesus Christ, the spirit of God, spiritual gifts, wisdom and insight along with whatever their narrative is in the gospel, as it now becomes woven together with ours here at Cornerstone, our church becomes uh, deeper into the fullness of God with every soul that God brings our way. This past year, we rejoice in those who chose to become members of Cornerstone. And I'll read their names, and they're in no particular order of spirituality. Uh, Jonathan Park, Darren and Porsche Maynard, Jeremiah Petsis, Jason Wynn, Sarah Daway, Matt and Jessica Hooks, Lindsay Kimball, who, by the way, I have to say is the first uh, person that I uh, was there at her birth, not when she was actually born, but I visited her in the hospital when she was born. First person that I've seen that. Uh, who has become a member of Cornerstone. So that's special. Also, Ada Fisher, uh, Michelle Murphy, David and Grace Huber, Gordon and Jill Bournes, Brian and Chris Kearns, Brooke Vincent. Actually, I was there at her birth, too. So. <laughs> Luke Wallace and Mario and Kelly Lamone and Rod Olmstead. And we just rejoice in these precious men and women that God has led to become a part of this uh, church body. Well, we saw this morning, you know, five things that we need to do if we want to go deeper as a church in the experience of the fullness uh, of God. I want to add a sixth item to that in terms of what we must do if we as a church want to experience God's fullness. 
And that is that we must be nimble in handling the problems that fullness creates. Um, when a church experiences the fullness of God, and we actually have uh, testimony to this in the New Testament, it creates challenges and difficulties. It creates problems, but these are very good problems to have. Uh, just one example is uh, Jesus uh, he told the disciples to cast their nets on the other side of the boat after not catching anything. And so they obeyed the Lord Jesus. Uh, and what resulted was, it says in Luke chapter five, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. Their nets were just fine before they did what Jesus told them to do. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they were sinking. And so they're having a problem here. Their nets are in the process of tearing. They are not strong enough to bring in the haul that Jesus has provided uh, for them. So they have to team up in a way that they would not have had to have done uh, if the haul was not so great. And even when they hauled it in, the boats were... Uh, about the sink they were taking on water as a result of the fullness of what Christ had provided for them. Unless you think this is just some great fish story, Jesus said, let me tell you what, I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is a metaphor, a metaphor of a greater fullness that is to come in your future as leaders of the church of Jesus Christ. And you're going to have your hands full and your nets are going to break. And you're going to have to team up with each other in a way that you're learning how to do right now in order to accommodate the fullness that I'm going to be bringing your way. Another example is in the book of of Acts. Um, actually, I got ahead of myself here. Uh, another example is in the book of Acts in Acts chapter six. It says, while the disciples were increasing in number, so the church is growing exponentially and as a result of that, it says a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of that should be food, uh, not well, good food is what they were were serving. But you think about this, the church was growing, things were going great and God is bringing his fullness their way. And as a byproduct of that. Uh, there were gaps that formed in their ministry structure. There were people that were being overlooked. The problem was not being addressed. And a complaint arose on the part of Hellenistic Jews against uh, the native Hebrews. And so uh, even some of the old um, maybe attitudes between the Hellenistic Jews and the native Hebrews begins to come out that was associated with their old way of life before Christ. And so this stuff begins to surface and the problems are created as a result of the fullness that God is bringing their way. And it forced the apostles to come together to have a council and to set up a different ministry structure in order to accommodate this fullness that God had brought uh, to them. And so we need to be ready and nimble and flexible and expecting problems to occur as God brings his fullness to us and ready to address those as they come. And so 
what we're going to do a little bit over the next few minutes is just review a little of what we have done over the years to accommodate God's fullness and to make room for more. And I'm speaking of his fullness in terms of in the form of his people that he is bringing uh, to us. I showed you part of this graphic uh, this morning. I wanted to look at it in a little greater uh, detail. Um, if uh, you'll notice that we, uh, um, I mean, our records go back to 1988, at least that I could find this week. It was in December of 94 that we moved to this facility and that gave us breathing room so that we could grow. In 98, we hired uh, Mike Berry and it was in 2002 that we went to two services uh, because we saw the need for that because this auditorium, just given who was attending, one service was not sufficient. Um, so we went to two services. In 2005, we hired uh, Carlos Limpiaco, established our care group ministry, which multiplied opportunities for ministry every Sunday uh, evening. Um, let's see, our, our two service format was 815 uh, was our first service. And what we did here in 2008 is we bumped it back a full 15 minutes to where our first service started at 830 rather than 815. We thought that would make a radical difference. It didn't. Um, in 2000 and um, let's see, in 2009, we reconfigured Sunday school and that helped considerably, as I'll show you in just a moment. 2010, we hired Carlos Cuellar, and it was in 2011, this year, in April of this year, that we moved our first service uh, service time back to 9 o'clock, shortened the two services uh, a little bit, had the first one start at 9, and the second one start at 10.45. And to show you a little bit of the struggle that we've had in terms of addressing the uh, just accommodating the people that are coming to us on Sundays. Um, you'll notice here from 2002, that's when we went to two services. These tick marks right here uh, below the tick mark represents uh, those who were coming to the first service and above the tick mark represents those who were coming to the second service. And as you can see, basically from here, 2002 to 2008, we had essentially a 20% of our people coming to first service and 80% coming to the second service. And so we had a ton of room in the first service, but our second service was, uh, was full to where we were having Sundays where people could not find a, a seat. So in 2009, we reconfigured Sunday school, and you could see the difference that that made. Uh, it pretty much put us in the first service somewhere around uh, 35%. And the second service was around 65%. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, this year, when uh, we moved the first service to 9 o'clock, look at the difference. Uh, we are uh, right at around 47% on average of our people are attending during the first service and 53% in the second. That's about as close to 50-50 as we're probably going to be able to get. But in making those adjustments, what it has done is it has allowed us uh, a little more breathing room to continue growing and accommodating the fullness that God is bringing uh, to us. Another thing that we have been doing over the last few years in terms of uh, managing the fullness that God is bringing to us is leadership 
development. Um, if, if God is bringing his sheep to us, they need to be properly led and properly equipped. And with our men's ministry, our passion is to develop every man to be a pastor of his household and to resource him in any way that we can. And then among those men that are doing well in pastoring their household, those are the guys that we'll pick out and say we would like for this man to serve as a pastor or an elder over the cornerstone um, body. Uh, we've had weekly men's leadership meetings over the last couple of years, just investing in the care group leaders and the helpers and other ministry leaders and potential leaders. The goal of all of this ultimately is to make progress towards developing uh, future elders. So we've been busy about the task of just trying to see what God is bringing to us and also dreaming about you know, if God has been doing what he's been doing over the last few years, the trajectory of that, if that continues, we want to be ready for that and be thinking about being ready for that now rather than waiting until that fullness comes to then scurry and begin thinking about it and planning then. Another thing we've been doing is researching all available facility options and here uh, to tell us a little bit about that is Mr. Carlos Cuellar. So why don't you come? Let's welcome him. Thank you. Um, well, I just want to share a little bit about what's going on on the facility front um, and just kind of bring you guys up to speed uh, with what we've been doing this last year. Um, Milton, uh, the chart that Milton put together, by the way, let's. Uh, recognize Milton's graphic design abilities. <laughs> He's become a master of uh, of PowerPoint and other other programs. Um, we have a, a multi-talented senior pastor. Um, but uh, I just wanted to make a point about that chart. You obviously saw it going in the right direction. That's up. Uh, not every church has a chart like that. Uh, there are some churches that, uh, due to different circumstances, various circumstances, their chart is actually going down. Um, but we're very blessed with the problem that we have. It's a very good thing um, to be growing, that the fact that God is sending us people our way and that he's growing this, this church family. Uh, but I just want to highlight a few of the problems. You've obviously seen a little bit of the history that Milton gave just about what we've tried to do to remedy our facility issues and try to uh, maximize our opportunities at this at this present facility, uh, but we still have a problem uh, and it's broken down into a couple of areas. Number one, um, we still have a, a sanctuary space problem in the sense that we're, we're nearing uh, and had, at, at times have exceeded uh, the capacity of this sanctuary uh, in services. And so we're long term, we just cannot uh, continue to grow at, in this present sanctuary the way that it's configured. Um, also, just um, on, a, on a weekly basis here on Sundays, we have a, an ongoing classroom facility issue. Uh, right now we have our high school group, uh, which is growing, and they're meeting in a back, in a very small back room. We have our children's ministry uh, configured in, a, in what is really not the, the ideal breakdown in age group. Uh, that's because we've had to squeeze them into one less classroom. Um, and so we have, we have some serious needs. We, we could probably offer even more equipping school options for you guys to train and equip and resource you, but we can't do that because we don't have additional classroom space. And so we're feeling that uh, on a weekly basis on Sundays, uh, as well as just parking and restroom uh, needs. We know that we're very limited in restrooms, 
Uh, and I don't know if that's ever hindered you horribly, but uh, well, you can, we can share stories later. Anyway, but, uh, but we do, that is a problem. Um, but anyway, I want to I wanna let you know that uh, a year ago, obviously the elders have uh, been on a journey with regard to facilities for a long time. Uh, but we invited others uh, to help us along uh, in that journey. Um, and I just want to take a moment to recognize our facility search committee. These are men who have given uh, a lot of time and energy and effort and used uh, the, the gifts that God has given them to, uh, to help us, to be a big help. Um, I did not get a minor in facilities at seminary. I didn't take those electives. I don't know what I was thinking, but it's probably because they weren't there. But... Um, but we have men here in our body who are very gifted uh, beyond uh, what I will ever understand or know about facilities, finances, um, real estate, other things uh, that have been an invaluable help to us. Uh, but some of the key guys this last year that have been a help is, are Angelo, Jonathan, jo- Angelo Tomaselli, Jonathan Jones, uh, Gordon Borns, and Phil Orr. And if you guys are here tonight, could you just stand for a second? I just want to recognize these men. <clears throat> Just really look up to these guys. They've been a, a tremendous help to not only myself, but to the whole elder board and, and to you guys as a church body. Uh, what we've been doing this last year is we've been uh, exploring several options that I'm going to go over in just a second. We could kind of divide them up into two options. One is a short-term, kind of short-term options and then the long-term options. But basically, we've come to a conclusion as a, as a committee that status quo is not an option. And what I mean by that is staying here at Linden and doing absolutely nothing uh, is not what we can do. God is adding to our number um, and we just cannot afford to do nothing. And so we need to be proactive. We, we have been doing that uh, throughout the year in our meetings, in our strategizing, in our prayer, uh, and just trying to think through what, what can we do, where, where might the Lord lead us uh, in the future. And so I'm going to just go over a couple quick short-term options. What we've realized is that in any of these long-term options that we're exploring, and we're exploring a few of them, um, we're really looking at a window of probably 12 to 24 months to even get to somewhere um, that would be a next step, what you would call a next step. And so what we want to do is we want to, in the short term, again, because we can't afford to do nothing here at Linden Street, what we want to do is maximize this facility um, for, to just get the most use and continue to grow here as much as we can. Uh, we've, we've tried to do that actually since 2005 in various ways, and, and Milton expressed a few of those, but we've also uh, spent a lot of money uh, in constructing a modular that we were hoping to get access to several years ago, and uh, we, we've, we've been, you know, we've run into some snags uh, in God's providence. Uh, but, but what we've wanted to do is we've wanted to, in the next 12 to 24 months, refocus on that modular and hopefully gain occupancy so as to create some additional growth. And the only way to do that, uh, as we've shared with you in the past, I think in the last meeting and maybe even the one before that, was we need to attack what the city is asking us to do, and that's uh, build ADA-compliant restrooms and a path of travel to those restrooms and to the new facility that we've already, that we've already completed in the back here. Um, and so we, we've, as a facility search committee, we've uh, endeavored to do that. Uh, what we did is we basically reapproached EFC in our discussions as elders uh, and with the help of the committee strategizing on this. And um, if you recall, uh, EFC, the reason that we cannot occupy the modular is because EFC hasn't completed theirs where the restrooms actually were going to be located. And that's obviously in God's providence. Uh, we hold no ill will for that, or we're not angry about that, but it's just the way that it is. Um, but EFC has been very gracious and recently expressed a willingness to try to make uh, and do something to, to help that situation out. And what they've done is they've been willing to entertain the possibility of 
um, contributing to the building of the, and construction of those bathrooms for us so that we no longer have to bear that burden financially. And so we're in discussions as we speak with them with that as our objective. Um, and they would basically cover the costs of doing the restroom uh, and the path of travel. And what, what it would be done, the way it would be done is in an, in a possible exchange where uh, we would front that money but then get reimbursed um, through rent reduction over the next 12 to 24 months in our lease with them. So we'd get our money back and ultimately AFC would, would bear that burden and would be gracious to do that towards us. Um, and then in the short term, we could uh, theoretically get 12 to 24, maybe even 36 months, however, however long we're here, to uh, get use of our modular. So there's several um, advantages for us um, with occupying the modular. Number one, um, we get to have it without making an additional capital expense, and we want to be sensitive to what you guys have already contributed and uh, done to, to make the modular happen. Uh, but also, it really helps us in our short, short term to grow to about 100 to maybe 200 people. And the way we do that is we could move our high school group and even an equipping school, additional equipping school class over there. Um, we could have dual service overflow in the fellowship hall and maybe seat about 75 people. So now you're talking about an additional 150 seats that have been created for sanctuary seating. Uh, our junior high and children's ministry can expand and take up other classrooms that would be available for the first time. And then we can even expand downstairs uh, with the Spanish ministry again and things like that. So there's just a lot of potential if we just had access to this modular. And uh, I thank Jonathan Jones and the rest of the committee who have been hard at work in making that happen. Uh, and we may be very close to that. Um, we'll obviously keep you posted as we go along in the next few weeks uh, in our discussions with EFC. But we've, we've, we've uh, looked at costs and other things, and we're trying to put as much on the table for them uh, so that they can move forward in relighting this project, and the city can as well and we can actually enjoy the modular that God has given us. So that's the short term. Again, this is just a short term option because it only gives us a little bit of breathing room, kind of loosens the collar, if you will, as we continue to look for what is our ultimate home and where is the Lord leading us long term. And so the facility committee has been looking at that as well. They've been hard at work in looking at some uh, uh, long term options that I want to walk you through. And there's about four or five of them. Sorry. Uh, the first is that we might stay at Linden Street and purchase the campus. We did. We spent a lot of time last year uh, approaching EFC on this. And at this point, basically, I just have to report to you that those options don't seem to be on the table. Um, if you recall, we had two proposals in our last meeting that we shared that we would be taking to EFC. One was uh, just basically asking if we could purchase the property from them, uh, and they weren't open to that and, and remain close to that idea at this time. Uh, the second option was a, a long-term lease option tied to some kind of co-ownership, so if we could maybe purchase the corner property where the house is at the top of the of Linden here, uh, maybe we could own a piece of the property and then begin to invest uh, in the property or maybe even build something in that corner. Well, that, as you know, if you've been observing that corner, has been renovated uh, and is now a source of income for EFC, and that's great for them. Uh, and, but that has obviously closed that door for us uh, in terms of these options. So you can see that staying at Linden and purchasing the campus or even a long-term strategy for co-ownership right now is, is pretty much a closed Option. We explored that for a long time last year. Uh, the second option is to stay at Linden Street and church plant. And we've tossed that around uh, various points as an elder board. Um, and what, what it would look like is probably kind of like a peel off where we basically take several families and maybe somewhere around 100 people plus and strategically relocate um, part of Cornerstone. That would solve our facility needs and that it would reduce the number that are here at this campus and it would create a church plant. Uh, elsewhere, but it would, it would definitely require uh, some funds that we don't currently have. 
And so even this option, uh, even though it would be an inexpensive option, um, it still requires funds. And, uh, but there's still some questions uh, with regard to even this option and why uh, we should do that. Um, church planning is definitely on our radar, for those of you who might be wondering. Uh, it's something that we want to do and have a heart for. Uh, the question is just when. When should we do that? And we're not sure that our current size and resource uh, capacity to empower that that move would be the best at this point. So, uh, But we're sensitive to that, and that's uh, definitely a possible option. There's a third option, and that's to leave Linden Street and go mobile, be a, become a mobile church. Um, we were a mobile church at one point before we came here to this facility, uh, Cornerstone Met, uh, as a mobile church, and so the elders are just wondering, is that a step backwards or forwards, and what, what would that uh, mean in terms of our future, and is it really a long-term, a sustainable long-term option, uh, or is it more of a stepping stone to something that, that we'd see beyond that? So we're not sure at this point, but that as well, just like a church plant would require funds, and it, um, when you talk about, we've, we've done all the research as a committee on the mobile church option, and we've discovered that it's probably in, in, uh, above $100,000 of investment for just equipment. Um, in addition to increased facility costs. So, again, you're, you're beginning to see, and I'm going to kind of just conclude at, at, at the end, that you're beginning to see a pattern that right now we don't have the resources in any of these options. Our options are either closed or they're closed specifically because we don't have the funds um, to make it happen. There's a fourth uh, long-term option that the facility committee and the elders have been considering, and that's to leave Linden Street and lease property. Uh, as a committee, we spent some time looking at adjacent property, including the, the warehouses that are right next door to us, uh, to our uh, west, uh, right here off of Nikki Way. Uh, one came available at one point, and then it was leased uh, quickly thereafter. Um, and we had looked at it, but um, just didn't, weren't able to move uh, on it for various reasons and just weren't, weren't sure, we weren't sure if that was what we should do. But that has since rented, and so those, those options at, at this point are closed. Uh, the, the corner building may come available in the, in the near future, but again, to purchase something like that, you're, you're talking about almost three quarters of a million dollars. So again, even if those were available right now, uh, to purchase or, or to lease uh, would require, again, increased facility costs that, that we're wondering if we can handle at this point. Um, we have, we've obviously in the past looked at other leasing other options in, in other areas, but we're very sensitive to just trying to look close to our present location, just given its strategic nature in, in closeness to us, and its, its central location, as well as its outreach opportunities. Um, and the last one that we've spent time on this year is um, to leave Linden Street and purchase a property. And we've spent some time looking at one particular property that I'll share with you a little bit about. Um, and that's just a property right here on University, just one city block to our southwest. Uh, 1575 University is the property. If you can see the map here, you've got our, our current facility up in the top right corner, and then the bottom left corner, just one city block over to the, uh, to the southwest there, is this uh, facility that we've been looking at. Uh, it used to be the uh, Callaway Motorsports uh, facility, and it's about four and a quarter acres with a 25,000 square foot building on it. You can see a closer image there uh, as it fronts University. Um, Mike likes it because it's right next to Los Albertos. <laughs> he can get uh, he can get that much closer to his taco run. But um, just to give you an idea of, of the size of the building, we currently lease from EFC about roughly 16,000 square feet here at this present facility. So this one building at the front of the property is 25,000 square feet. 
Uh, there's plenty of room to expand. You can see the back of it, just plenty of parking. That's, that's an issue. This is a, an amazing and very unique property because there's just nothing you're going to find in this area, even on university, uh, this size um, in this market with, with that kind of frontage and potential. Um, so there's a lot of advantages to uh, this building. You can see some of the pictures. There's the front of it. It's kind of got like an Art Deco front and then just a huge, basically huge empty space that's totally configurable inside. Um, so uh, several advantages. Uh, location, obviously, we're in the same area, just a block, city block away. Um, we, can, we can stay central to, to where people come from, as well as just be strategic in our outreach to UCR and other places that we are, we're wanting to expand to. Uh, the size, obviously, just speaks for itself, just in uniqueness and just the ability to expand our vision. Uh, this is a place that we could go and definitely do some, some major visioning and dreaming about what Cornerstone could become. Um, so, and then obviously the, the one advantage when you're owning like this is sole ownership. You know, we've coexisted on this facility uh, with another church, but for the first time in a long time, we'd be able to have uh, complete control over our facility. So those are some of the advantages of this current property. Um, here's the, there's two possibilities with this property, a possible lease to purchase option. Um, the property is valued somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of about $3 million to $3.5 million, but, um, but you're talking, again, I just want to sh- point some numbers out to you just to show you that ultimately this option is closed at this time financially just because where we are um, in, in, our, in our building fund, in our funds and resources. But you're, to just even lease this uh, property with or without an option to purchase it, uh, we're talking somewhere in the ballpark of a, a million plus in tenant improvements just to get the building ready for us to occupy and take it over and transform it into a, a church. Uh, and then you're, if we were, were to purchase uh, in the near future, like between two to, th- two to five years from now, you're talking about uh, over half a million that would be need, need to be raised just for the down payment. So we're already in the ballpark of almost $2 million um, just to even make a move on this. Uh, the purchase would be similar. Uh, the down payment would be higher because um, if we were leasing it, part of our rent payment would go to um, rent equity. We might be even getting as much as 50% of our rent going towards the, the future purchase of the property. So I point all this out just to show you there's great potential around us, but a lot of this um, requires uh, some giving and, and just some raising of funds and capital on, on our part as a church. So the facility committee, I just want to commend them. They've, they've given a year of hard work and uh, just constant effort and energy. They have served you and, and the leadership in doing this. And what they've concluded are, are, is the following. Number one, status quo is not an option. We can't afford to do nothing. And that's obvious, I think, to all of us. Uh, the short-term focus needs to be getting that modular and these restrooms completed. We're well on our way to trying to execute that uh, and maybe be in, in the next few months if we can, if the Lord would open that door. And we need to be praying for that to happen. Uh, we want a return on the investment that you have made in that modular and we want to see it used to expand in the short term what God is doing here. As far as the long term options, I think the conclusion is pretty clear. Number one, we need to be praying for all of these options and number two, uh, we need to raise funds. All of these options, even if we, uh, even if the door was open for any of these, um, they're, they wouldn't be for us because we don't have the funds in place to act on them. So even if we knew with 100% clear vision, God spoke to us in an audible voice to go to university, we just can't do that right now because we have no money and we need to, we need to begin to raise that. So with that, I'm going to let Milton come back and he's going to actually expand on those two things, both our need to be praying and our need to be raising funds. So thank you.
uh, there are two uh, two ways that we can look at things that I find myself looking at things as a pastor. One is we look at the list of options that Carlos has just reviewed and it's like, well, uh, which of those is the way that the Lord wants us to go? Even if for a moment, though, we set aside all of those options and not even think about them and all we did was looked at our present situation and the trajectory of fullness in terms of souls that God is bringing to us, if that's all we looked at, uh, we're realizing as pastors and shepherds that something has to give. Um, And like Carlos said, status quo is not an option. Staying here, status quo is not an option. Perhaps staying here and some big alteration of the campus here might be an option, but we're not comfortable spending any money Uh, to make uh, significant alterations to a campus that we don't own. We want to be faithful with with the money that you graciously and generously give. And that's a burden that we as elders have felt for for many months and even years as we have looked into the future. We want to be good shepherds and shepherds go ahead of the sheep and they're thinking about things a year or two in advance and wanting to make sure that there is a place for uh, the sheep uh, to gather together and and to worship the Lord and minister to uh, to one another. And so, you know, we stand before you tonight and we confess to you our ignorance and our weakness, um, our mental uh, weakness in being able to assess which direction the Lord would have us to go. What we do know is that if God does continue to bless as he has done, something needs uh, to happen. I had the blessing back in April of 2011 of speaking at a conference in Minneapolis, and I uh, stayed over with the permission of the elders um, that Sunday to attend Bethlehem Baptist Church, the church that John Piper uh, pastors and um, and I just you know my assignment from them was to just look at and observe anything I can and because we were thinking about all these kinds of things and looking for direction and I I sit down in the service and John Piper gets up and said I was planning on preaching from the gospel of John this morning but in the middle of the week I just felt led to set that sermon aside and I just want to talk to you uh, this morning on uh, the directions that God wants us to go as a church. And I want to confess to you that we don't know. Uh, but he then made a statement that has stuck with me since. He says, when godly leaders don't know what to do, they know what to do about not knowing what to do. They pray. Uh, and by the way, he prayed. I got to meet him after the service and uh, he prayed for you as a congregation, uh, just joining with us in our situation as I explained it to him. So this brother uh, has uh, made request on our behalf regarding the very things that we're talking about uh, tonight. And so God has used this um, to do a work of sanctification in us as elders. We have talked and talked and talked and researched and gone round and round and thought we were making progress. And then something put a hitch in our step and we end up over 
where we were six months ago and uh, going down that road only to end up again with a feeling of, of ignorance and lostness in terms of what the Lord wants us to do. And all of that has been redemptive. Ignorance can be redemptive. Uh, because it has brought us to the Lord. We have prayed as elders in recent months more than we have ever prayed. And the times of prayer that we have together are becoming increasingly sweet. And that is a passion and an enjoyment that our burden has been to pass on to the congregation. And that is uh, basically the primary reason why for the winter seminar this year we we talked about the subject of prayer, just laying a groundwork for us as a congregation growing in this matter of prayer, praying uh, as we should. And we learned about, you know, uh, what praying as we should at least involves coming to God and confessing with Paul that we don't know how to pray as we should. And then asking the Lord to teach us to pray um, because prayer is not just us pouring out our heart to God. It's letting God pour his heart into us and just saying, God, right now, I don't even know how to pray. Can you teach me how to pray right now in the next several minutes? And then we try to pray in a way that is responsive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we talked about all of that and developed that along with other things on the subject of prayer um, tonight, we want to let you know that one of the ways that we want to execute some of the things that we have learned, um, we obviously want to apply what we have learned in our homes, in our marriages, and uh, in our care groups, and in all the venues where we come together uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. But one of the particular ways that we want to implement what we have learned is to have, over the next few months, I don't know what else to call it, so we're just calling it Praying As We Should Nights. And uh, this will be the Sunday evening of February the 12th, which is two weeks from uh, tonight. It'll be here in this auditorium. And then the last Sunday evening of February, the last Sunday evening of March, and the last Sunday evening of April, uh, we as elders are asking you to join us here in this building for a season of uh, corporate uh, prayer. And we're going to have a microphone set up here and you're welcome as the spirit leads to come up and and pray. And again, what we're going to do during this time is publicly confess to God that we don't know in and of ourselves how to pray as we should. Um, we need direction from the Lord and we'll only get that by praying, but we're not even sure how to go about praying for the direction that we need from him. And then asking God together as a congregation to teach us to pray, even during the time that we're assembled together on that Sunday evening. And then just as a congregation, um, essentially just letting the spirit lead in the time of prayer. And we seek to pray responsibly to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we're praying and as we're listening to our brothers and sisters praying, uh, we are attuned to what is being prayed and we're searching for the heart of God inside of what is being prayed, seeking to discern his heart and his plan for Cornerstone. I have twice shared with you what Charles Spurgeon said about this kind of praying. And let me read a part of this again. 
He says, our prayers are indicators of the movement of the wheels of providence. Believing supplications are forecast of the future. He who prayeth in faith is like the seer or the prophet of old. He sees that which is to be. Prayer prompted by the Holy Spirit is the footfall of the divine decree. And we saw that footfall means the sound of approaching footsteps. So as we pray in the spirit, our desire is that we might catch the sounds of the approaching footsteps of whatever it is that God has planned in the future for Cornerstone. We believe that whatever it is that God wants us to do going forward from here, we will discern that together as a church body in the context of corporate prayer. During this time of these times of prayer, uh, we're going to be seeking the Lord. We're going to be looking at God and giving voice to what we see. We're going to be rehearsing in prayer God's story and our place in it. We're going to be seeking to not we're not just asking God to look upon us and look upon our circumstances in prayer. We're going to seek to look at our circumstances through God's eyes. What do we look like to him and what do our circumstances look like to him? We want to see that we also publicly in all humility want to corporately confess as Jehoshaphat did in Second Chronicles 20 verse 12, our weakness and our ignorance. We want to confess sin. And in the context of prayer, we don't want to just speak. We want to listen to God and we want to worship him in the hopes that while we worship God and spend time in his presence, God might look upon us with grace and favor and choose to give us direction that we need like he did for Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah and like he did for the church in Antioch. The Spirit had told Paul and Saul and Barnabas to go on a missionary journey, and apparently they notified the leadership of the Antioch church that the Spirit's telling us to go, but we don't want to go until the Spirit tells you to let us go. And so the leadership of the church, uh, the entire church essentially, is assembled together, and it says, while they were worshiping, this is the word we get our English word liturgy from, while they're doing the liturgy, Doing the worshiping before the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have past tense already called them. I've told them and now I'm telling you. And where were they when they heard that direction? They were in prayer and they were worshiping the Lord and God directed them in that context. So even in our night of prayer. Part of what we'll do is we'll sing, we'll intersperse songs, and as the Spirit leads, those who will be leading worship will be singing our prayers uh, to uh, the Lord also, and just asking God to do a great work of leading us. Now, one of the tricky things about asking God for direction is sometimes we come to God saying, God, we need direction on what to do with facility and God's looking at us saying, well, actually, that's not your primary need right now. There's some other things that you need to hear. And that may be what happens. He may fall silent on something we're wanting him to speak on and begin directing us and impressing us and challenging us in other ways that actually need to be addressed before we can deal with the issues that maybe we thought initially were more important. So we want to be open to that. We're not going to put God in a box and say, you have 
to give us direction on what to do as far as moving from here or it has to be connected to facility. We want to open ourselves up to God, to whatever it is that he wants to deal with us about. And when we pray together, we we're going to we're going to do the daring thing and stand before this God and ask him to break out in fullness upon us. So I know for me, I'm going to be fasting on that day, not to try to impress God, but I just want um, when I got a full stomach, it's hard to focus on uh, on things sometimes. And I, I want to be totally uh, just clear headed and sensitive to the spirit working in me. And I want to be clear headed and clear spirited to where when you're praying, I'm discerning the heart of God inside of your prayers and I'd ask you to join uh, in, in considering even fasting for, for that day if the Lord would lead you uh, to do so. Um, we want to be ready for whatever it is that God has us to do. We saw a few months ago in our annual meeting how when God was encouraging the people of Israel before they left Egypt to celebrate the Passover, he says, I want you to celebrate the Passover uh, but he says, you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. I want you when it's time, when I give you direction and say, go and move in this direction, I want you ready to go. I want you to be patient and wait for me. But when your patience is rewarded and I tell you to go, I don't want to wait for you. I want you to be ready to move in response to my leading. That brings us to the issue of funds. Um, because one of the things that we have realized is that as we've looked at all of these options, um, at times, even some of the people we've dealt with who are giving us information on these options, they're like, and what are you doing actually considering this? This really isn't even an option. Uh, you don't have the funds to even be in the game. Um, regarding some of these things, we've just realized that all of these options, every door is closed as long as we lack the capital uh, to even be on the playing field with regard to some of these options. Uh, we've observed, and I'm expressing this from the elders, that these options that Carlos went over all require capital that we do not presently have until we have more capital on hand, all of these doors are closed to us. Our desire as elders is to establish a fund that will help us to begin to grow our capital to the point where options that are now closed to us become open. We want to be in a position of financial readiness to follow the Lord however he leads us to address our present and future growth. Um, Partly in response to just the request and the urging of some in our body who would like to give to some kind of effort like this, and partly just as the result of us as elders processing and praying over these things over a period of months and even years, uh, we want to let you know that today uh, the elders have established what we're calling a capital growth fund. And uh, all of the monies that are given to this fund will go toward our effort to accommodate present and future growth. When we talk about growth, we're talking about accommodating numerical growth. We're talking about ministry 
growth, the growth and expansion of our ministry here and and even around the world. We're including in this the growth of the length of the arm of our outreach in this community and around uh, the world uh, and or towards executing a facility plan for Cornerstone's future as the Lord directs. And trust me on this, um, we as elders are not expecting God to direct us apart from you as a congregation. Uh, Our policy as elders since the founding of Cornerstone is to only do things unanimously. We only do things and move ahead if every elder is unanimous. And we want to arrive at whatever it is that the Lord has for us in community, not only as elders, but with you, the congregation, in a context of prayer and seeking the Lord. Whatever decision we arrive at, whatever shape it takes, it'll be shaped and arrived at in community with this uh, congregation. Um, And I... uh, Got a text um, after the meeting began tonight uh, that some dear people in our church body who are very committed to the ministry of this church have tonight donated $200,000 to this fund. And the trust that such generosity displays is something that we as elders um, never want to take for granted. And we do not want to violate the trust of God's people. Christ died for every one of you and he shed his blood for every one of you. You are that precious to him. And what I hear from the Lord every day in recent months and even during the night is you better be faithful in leading my people. And you had better not lead them wrongly or lead them astray. Pray for us as elders that we will be faithful to lead you and to follow the Lord's direction in a way that 10 years from now we will be able to look back on without any significant regrets and know that we did right by the Lord, we did right by His precious people. We we covet your prayers for that. So, uh, beginning tonight and in the coming weeks, as the Lord leads you, uh, you are welcome to give as a designated gift to this capital growth fund. And this is one of the things that we'll actually be looking at as a part of the bigger picture and determining maybe how the Lord is perhaps uh, directing. And so if if God is leading you to give to this, we would encourage you to do so in, in his timing. And we'll see what the Lord does. What impresses me the most is that we must be faithful. We as elders must be faithful and every member of our congregation. We all need to examine ourselves and ask, am I bringing my A game every day to the cause of Christ? 
Am I bringing my A game for the benefit of this church body, for my brothers and sisters for whom Christ died? This church is by destiny the fullness of God. And am I contributing to that fullness or do I take away from it or stifle other people's experience of that fullness? Paul, just real quick, think about it. He he dreamed of going to Rome. He told the Roman Christians, often I have planned to come to you and I've been prevented. I've, I've wanted to get to Rome and I believe God wants me there, but I've been prevented from doing so. Well, he ended up getting to Rome, but not the way that he would have anticipated. He ended up getting arrested and was in prison for a while and and then appealed to Caesar. And then he's on a ship heading to Rome. And so great, I'm heading to Rome now. My dream is going to be fulfilled. But then a violent storm at sea occurs and the ship is run aground on the island of Malta, I believe, And so Paul's plan to get to Rome has once again been thwarted. But nonetheless, he's there on the shore and everyone's wet and cold and we need to start a fire. And so Paul says, I'll pick up some sticks and help. But while he's picking up sticks, a viper comes out of the pile of sticks and bites him. And everyone, the natives look at him and say, Okay, he escaped the vengeance of the sea and the justice of God, but now justice has caught up with him and he's going to die here in a moment or two and get his just due. Paul shakes it off, doesn't die. They're like, whoa, we were wrong. He must be a God. And before long, people on the island were bringing uh, people to uh, to him and he was healing them. Word spread and. And Publius, the governor of the island, his father was sick and he calls for Paul to come to him. And Paul uh, is faithful to, okay, I guess God wants me to heal his father. And so he does so. And Paul is healing all who end up coming to him on the island. And a few months go by and uh, a ship comes by that can take them to Rome. And it says that when it was time to set sail, it says when we were setting sail, they, the people of the island, supplied us with all we needed. Teaching us a profound lesson that whatever our future is, we will discover it inside of faithfulness to our present duties. We will discover it in the context of prayer. We will discover it. In the context of faithfulness to our present duties, may God give us the grace to be faithful and to grow in faithfulness of ministry in all areas of our church life here at Cornerstone. Speaking of faithfulness and ministry, uh, Carlos Limtiaco, our pastor of care groups, is going to come and give us an update on what's happening with our care group ministry. I just want to begin by saying that um, I've just been extremely encouraged personally with the care group ministry um, for a number of reasons. Um, I would like to to just uh, offer thankfulness to the Lord for those who do serve as care group leaders in this body. Um, just the, the leaders and their wives are just a great blessing. And um, anytime I get together with a leader and begin to speak to the leader and whatnot, there's just this there is this theme that there's this thread that runs true. 
as it relates to our care group leaders, and, and that is that I know that they love the people in the groups. There is no question that the leaders love, they care for, are concerned about the people in their groups, they are praying for those in their groups, and as an extension of the pastoral ministry, uh, I think we are blessed as a church that God has given to us such great leaders. I thank the Lord for the leaders of this church. I would also, on behalf of the leadership, on behalf of the care group leaders, like to express much appreciation for those of you in this body who are faithfully participating in the ministry of care groups here. We have a very high percentage of people that do faithfully participate, and there is much that is taking place. In our last care group leadership meeting just a couple of weeks ago, we took some time to just share some of the things that were happening in our care groups. And, and we were just so encouraged to hear from other leaders of the types of things that God's people um, in these care groups are doing by way of ministry one to another. And I would, I would say that on behalf of the leaders, leaders, I would just like to express a thank, uh, just a huge thank you to you guys because in large measure you, you are the ones who help to make care group what care group is. So again, just thank you guys. We appreciate you guys and we're just so thankful to the Lord for the ways in which you guys minister. Um, oftentimes some of this ministry happens without the, the, the leader of the care group having anything to do with it. And I've experienced that on two occasions, even within the last month, on, on two separate occasions. You all know about how I about knocked my eye out of its socket. Uh, on the other side of that, the care group just stepped up to the plate and without me having any responsibility whatsoever there, they just, I mean, what I just knocked my eye out and the people in my care group says, let's bring meals to the Limtiaco family. One of the things that impressed me in particular was that there was a single man in my care group who on New Year's Eve came to my house and he brought just this lovely dinner. And in connection to the dinner, he brought two bottles of sparkling apple cider so that my family could celebrate New Year's Eve together. And he also delivered to us this package of, of poppers, I think is what they called, where you pull the string and stuff comes shooting out. Uh, he, he knows that we've got four kids in a family and he just wanted to bless. That's just one small example. I could tell you of another care group where the care group basically gave to a couple who was in need a car, a van. You know, that type of stuff is the type of stuff that is happening. And again, thank you to you guys. As far as 2011, just kind of looking back over the last um, year, uh, Jonathan Jones came on. Jonathan and Julie Jones came on as care group leaders. And so we were able to launch a new care group. And we're just very excited about this man. He's a huge blessing to this body. Um, and we just appreciate him and his wife and what they bring to the table as far as the care group ministry. We have a total now of 11 care groups with, with about 25 to 30 people per group. That would include children. Some might be a little smaller in number, but there are those that make up for that by being a little bit larger in number. And so if you multiply the 30 by 11, that's 330. If we kind of round down to about 300, you know, that's, that's 75 plus percent of the people here actively participating in care groups. And so that is a huge blessing. Five men. Uh, are at the beginning stages right now of working through the leadership curriculum. And um, as of recent, the leaders 
have been challenged regarding the value of prayer and its implementation in care groups. That was basically the last discussion we had in the last care group leadership meeting that we had. And so as far as 2012 is concerned, some of the things that we are looking forward to, we want to see our folks grow in the area of prayer as it relates to our care group ministry. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm anticipating that just in connection with the things that are going on in this church, the December seminar and what we're about to undergo as far as some of these evening prayer services, and even in terms of some of the prayers that have been prayed in various care groups, and I can speak on behalf of my own care group, there seems to be, I was talking to another brother just the other day, there seems to be this, this spirit, this spirit of prayer that is overcoming us, overcoming us, and I've detected it over the last six months or so, And I'm just very excited to see us as a congregation grow together in prayer. And I am especially excited to see how God causes us as we gather together in care groups to experience prayer together and to grow in our love and our passion for the Lord together and for one another together as well. And so I'm very excited about what I believe the Lord wants to do as it relates to prayer within the context of our care group ministry. Our current leaders, under the instruction of Milton Vincent primarily, um, are working through curriculum related to gospel-centered counseling. And just being at those meetings and hearing Milton teach us, it just feels like we're under the tutelage of a master. And those of us leaders are just very blessed to hear him present to us the gospel and how it relates to life. It's just been a great blessing. I would fully anticipate that to have an effect on our overall ministry as well. We are thinking through some practical ways in which outreach and evangelism might intersect our care group ministry. We know that this hasn't been a strong suit and this is something that we are wanting to address and we're in the process process of praying and thinking that one through. And we would anticipate, though we don't know with certainty, it's as the Lord leads and it's as the Lord provides, but if the Lord is to cause, if he causes the church to grow numerically, that would mean that we will need more care groups, and so we are anticipating having an additional two or three guys, two or three leaders and their wives in place to lead as we get into the next ministry year come September or so. So that's report. Thank you, guys. You guys are just a, just a blessing. Thank you. I just want to take a moment to share a little bit about our missions. Um, Those of you that have been around for a while or if you're brand new, just to give you an idea of our philosophy of missions and our Mission Vision Fund. uh, Back in 2000, we began to develop uh, a missions vision that basically involves trying to send out missionaries from our own congregation at as high a support as we can possibly, like 50%. And um, as opposed to just uh, giving a few missionaries a little bit of money and having 20 or 30 on our uh, books, trying to send people out that we we own and can support and really rally around as a congregation. Uh, Vernon Anderson, our former organist, uh, passed away, went to be with the Lord. He left $175,000 that we moved into our Mission Vision Fund. And the elders decided in the year 2000 to start moving money over into that fund with the anticipation of sending out our own missionary family or missionary uh, at least 50% supported. Uh, In 2008, we sent out Steve and Jenny McCullough, uh, approximately uh, 50% of their support, $2,250 per month goes to the McCulloughs, and we have regular contact with them and really consider them staff members by extension. 
Um, and then two years ago, we began supporting Vince and Kim Green with the prospect of an increasing their support over a period of five years. We're currently supporting them at $750 a month. So we started with 175 plus there were a lot of ins that came into that account. Right now we have $16,000 left in their Mission Vision Fund, which is a positive. That shows how much we've been able to put towards missions. As we've been building that fund and trying to get people out to the field full time, we've also had the opportunity to do a lot of short-term missions trips over the years and have been able to pick up significant portions of the cost for people to travel around the world. And the big idea of our missions trips has been to go and serve missionaries that we currently support. That hasn't been exclusively what we've done, but in, in most of the cases, like starting in 2003 with Team Albania, we went to, to go minister in Albania uh, to the lay family and just had a great time out there. 2004 was Team Utah to minister to the Whitworths. Uh, in 2005, it was Team India to minister to the, the Stevens. In 2005, all the way through 2011, the Paines have spearheaded ministry in Uganda. Uh, Team New Zealand went out to minister some IFCA churches uh, with under the leadership of Pastor Carlos and um, in 2007, we were able to go down to Peru and minister to the, the Lossings, Team Alaska, Shirley Morgan in 2008. Uh, Arizona, we went and ministered to Juanita Fike in Arizona. Uh, Team Atlanta, we were able to go minister to the Browns and the McCulloughs. And then this last year, Team Mexico, we were able to go and, and build a new connection with Baja Bible and also a women's shelter and an orphanage. Uh, this orphanage led by Luis and Aide Salinas, their ministry, New Generations Ministries, is a connection that we are hoping to continue. And also we had Team Asia, where I had the opportunity to go to the Philippines, which, we're, which is where we're sending the Greens, and kind of get a view of their ministry on that field, and also go to Hong Kong while I was out there to see one of our missionaries, uh, the Parrots. Uh, prospective missionary service teams in 2012. Uh, we're looking at the possibility of doing another Team Philippines trip uh, with the Greens to go out there and do some teaching and ministry to the poor and the children. And also Team Mexico to maintain our relationship with uh, uh, Baja Bible and, um, and then also the uh, orphanage there, uh, New Generations. If you're interested in these particular trips this year, you can contact myself. Uh, the Team Uganda, there's a possibility that there may be a team going in 2013. You can talk, contact Bill Payne. And then we're also open to other opportunities. If there are other people that are interested in leading trips, who've gone on trips before, if you've got an idea, we're really about due to get back to Albania. It's been, um, believe it or not, almost 10 years. And so um, I'd love to see another trip uh, to Albania to, be a, to bless the lays. And then every year we we'll also have the opportunity to support individuals that are going with um, other um, parachurch ministries or colleges. If you are interested or if you are going to be going on a trip, uh, we really would encourage you to let us know and talk to your care group leader, talk to your elders, and, and ask your care group and leaders to be praying with you about that trip. We prefer that people kind of hit us up early um, rather than just kind of, hey, I've decided this is what I'm doing. Would you like to give me cash? To come and, and ask, me, ask for prayer. Here's what I'm praying about doing. Please pray with me and help me make this decision within the context of community. And then um, we're always excited uh, to help uh, folks uh, in, in, in these, uh, these endeavors. Prayer needs, please be praying for the Greens as we're really hoping to see them get to the Philippines as soon as possible. Vince is trying to finish up his dissertation and they're still not quite at 50% support. 
Uh, so please be praying. If you're, if you're looking for a missionary to support, we highly would commend the Greens to you and the ministry that they're going to be doing, trying to train local pastors in a third world country, um, you know, or a developing country you know, within the 1040 window. Um, also be praying for 2012 Team Mexico. We would like to see these Mexico trips happen more than just once a year. We'd love to see two, three, or more trips happen and really develop an uncle-aunt relationship with these boys uh, down there, just on the other side of the border. And uh, the ongoing work in Uganda that the pains have spearheaded. And please be praying for future missionaries within our congregation. We have elementary school kids, high school kids, college young people that the Lord will be calling to the mission field. And so be, please be praying for them as the Lord raises them up. If you'd like to go to Mexico this summer or if you'd like to seek support in the other trip, please seek, uh, talk to myself and uh, for an application. And, and I'd be glad to talk with you and pray with you. And that is our... Missions report. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. I'll probably need that laptop later. Well, um, let's talk about finances. And uh, as we've talked about before, kind of the uh, lifeblood resource of ministry here. Uh, we don't like to talk about numbers just for the sake of numbers, but um, the, uh, we want to emphasize the fact that um, they're a part of our vision. They, they help make our vision possible. And as I always like to do, I uh, start out by recognizing uh, those that serve, uh, that I have the pleasure of serving with on our finance ministry team. You can see the list there with uh, Bill Payne and Paul Kumamoto uh, helping as committee members here, the finance committee, signing checks. Uh, week to week and um, uh, just helping with the oversight of uh, finances. Uh, the counting team members uh, and then key servants would be Britt Kimball overseeing our counting, uh, t- counting team. He's our counting team coordinator and also uh, chief servant, uh, right-hand guy, uh, Pearl Aquino, our church bookkeeper, and also Eve who helps us out with our technology, keeps our computers running and QuickBooks running, which is a program that we use to track all of our finances. And so I'm going to ask all of you guys to stand up. Britt's going to lead the way for me, all of our finance ministry team, so that we can recognize and thank them. Appreciate your service. And, uh, you know, there's a dual purpose in that. Um, you know, we, we definitely want to say thank you to those that serve. But uh, the other purpose is uh, it's a part of our, our the structure to make sure that we are careful stewards of the funds that you give, that, that all of us give to Cornerstone Fellowship Bible Church. And so by having everyone sign, it's also a uh, stand. It's also a visual of um, one of the primary things that you can do in a church um, to ensure the security of funds. And that's have what's called separation of duties. I don't I don't do everything. I'm not involved in everything. I know how to do everything, but um, uh, it's very important that, that um, more than one person uh, is participating in this uh, in this ministry. And so hopefully we've accomplished that and said thank you at the same time. Well, moving on, let's talk about some uh, recent giving trends. Um, just looking at um, how uh, the money is uh, is moving, the money that you're giving is moving through the church and what that picture might look like. Uh, this is a compilation of all the uh, funds of the church, Agape Building, Missions, Vision, and General Fund. And you can see uh, uh, we, we made a nice recovery in 2011 and... Uh, you know, ultimately, um, as we we celebrate here uh, the, the the past year, we're, we're ultimately celebrating what God has done, 
And, uh, and it's also a reminder of, uh, of biblical economics. You know, these types of numbers are not possible if it were not for God who provides. And, uh, and also uh, express thankfulness to us as a congregation. We're a family together uh, in our faithfulness in giving because uh, these numbers would not be possible if we did not give at the same time. So we're thankful to the Lord for his provision. And we're thankful uh, to you as for, on behalf of the elders. Uh, thankful to you as, as a member of Cornerstone for your faithfulness in continuing to see our um, complete uh, vision funded the way it was. And just in talking over this afternoon, even earlier with Bill Payne, um, you know, Bill reminded me of a very important thing to celebrate. And that is uh, um, it's hard to it's hard to put this into words. But um, the bottom line is, is the, a lot of church annual meetings, especially over the last couple of years, have not been this cause for celebration. And so, um, you know, without um, dwelling on the negative of that, the positive of it is we do have a lot to celebrate that that our bar chart looks this way. Um, We also uh, when we looked at our 2011 vision, we present this just to uh, remind that the 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 full picture of how we fund the vision here at Cornerstone. Uh, One is giving to the general fund. Um, The other is uh, giving to designated funds, as the guys have uh, so eloquently uh, spoken of here in the last few minutes. And then the other is spending of reserves. As you might recall, uh, the last three years we have been uh, uh, bringing Carlos uh, Cuellar's hiring, the the compensation part, the the financial part of his hiring, onto our general, general fund in increments or in stages. And so uh, over the last two years we've been doing that and we've been uh, funding that from the reserves. And, uh, and so, um, so those are our, our three funding sources. Um, let's look at the Agape Fund real quick. Um, didn't really have that much uh, said about that in our presentations here, but just some of the things that we were able to accomplish this year as a congregation. We sent relief to Japan after the, uh, the earthquake and tsunami early in the year. We were able to help people with housing and utilities. Uh, car repairs, ACTI Uganda. Hopefully we'll be able to provide you with some pictures of that ministry in Uganda. Just um, And it's a long explanation, but just to help some of the people in Uganda um, with microloans um, so that they can, uh, um, you know, become self-sustaining and also share the gospel with them through that ministry. Um, we help with adoption. Uh, there's a, a young lady here named Mia. Um, whom we all had the pleasure of helping uh, bring home uh, to Mike and Pearl Aquino, as well as several other families, the Ben Shadlers. And, and I hate to get into naming names because I always forget someone, so I apologize if that's not my intent. Um, we also were able to help with the San Bernardino uh, Pregnancy Resource Center, uh, crisis counseling, gifts for Jesus this year. Offering of uh, almost $6,000 came in. Uh, we sent $7,500 to help support the Whitworths in, uh, in Utah. And so you can see that with the graphic there, which is also included in uh, the financial packet, um, where we began, um, what came in, uh, over $41,000, under $42,000 went out. And we still had a healthy balance at the end of December to continue uh, funding that vision. Um, the building fund, uh, very exciting things happened there. Uh, you can see, we, you, as you know, we started off the year in the red, um, recovering from the uh, resources that we invested in the modular there. But we had very, very strong giving. Thank you to those of you who remembered the, the building fund uh, in your giving over 2011. Over $27,500 came in. Uh, we were able to end the, the year in the black, which is a huge praise to the Lord. Uh, that negative expense there for, for the accounting uh, detailed types is uh, we had a reimbursement come in from um, EFC for some uh, a joint venture that we did 
for uh, uh, air conditioning in the, in the uh, nursery. So that's why that's a negative expense, which is actually a positive number. Uh, Missions Vision Fund, Mike talked about it a lot, um, where we sent teams to this year. Um, there's, there's a numerical as, uh, part of that uh, presentation. We be began to balance what came in over the year, what our expenses were, and uh, what the ending balance was. So 20000 over $20,500 was invested in uh, missions work, in ex expanding the, the kingdom beyond uh, our local region here. Um, as, uh, we sent people not only across the country, but across the world. Uh, let's talk about the general fund a little bit. Um, our, our giving was just a phenomenal praise and something that we really celebrate over, over last year. Over $618,000 came in. And compared to the projection that we had uh, a modest uh, growth in our giving. And uh, so we were way, way above our projection. And, um, you know, projections can be deceptive. You know, Bill, Bill mentioned that when we were talking as well today. And so we don't want to dwell on that too much. But as, as we're planning, as we're praying at, at our, our elders retreats, which is in November of the year, you know, we kind of have to have something in mind, some, some figure in mind that we're trying to base our decisions off of. And so that's a projection that we, that we used. And, and we were hopeful that the Lord would bring that in. Um, our entire vision for the vision fund, for the general fund, was based on uh, the Lord bringing that in. And look how much more uh, he was able to bless us with. Uh, this is a familiar graph, the one that you see in the bulletin every month this, that just details uh, the budget, where we are in our offerings and uh, our expenses for the year. This is the one for the entire year, which was uh, actually in January's uh, uh, early January bulletin. But uh, you can see that our expenses came in lower, which, uh, you know, that's that's always something that you want to ask why, um, uh, because uh, it, our vision is to to expand. Our, we want the, the resource that we set aside for ministry. We want to go out. And so uh, it's not necessarily like our our budgets at home, where if our expenses are low, that's that's a great thing. But um, but, you know, we accomplished much of what we set out to do uh, in 2011 and uh, our expenses just happened to come in a little bit lower than what we anticipated. Um, just taking a little bit more uh, deeper look at our general fund. We, we do have some additional spending. Um, the, the right hand column is uh, the uh, funds that were um, taken out of reserve uh, to uh, help uh, fund the 25 percent of Carlos Cuellar's compensation package. And then we had a little bit of spending um, out of what is the FEMA account account that we've had for a number of years. It's, it's on the financial uh, document, the packet um, that and that money was used to purchase equipment for the kitchen. So new, new refrigerator stoves and then uh, the general fund direct spending. Just just to report that um, we we, uh, we were able to uh, purchase a thank you gift for the Janoskis to thank Kevin for and jo and Jackie for their their service and ministry. Uh, to us in 2011 when, when Kevin um, uh, stepped uh, aside from the elder board. And then the, uh, the other 573 was just more accounting. We had some checks that were lost that needed to be replaced. And so we did that directly um, from the general fund, checks from 2010. So just kind of an accounting thing. Um, just just a, a, a graphic to show what our combined spending was in the general fund, just because we show combined spending for the other funds as well. So over $613,000 was spent direct, uh, out of our general fund combination of budgeted and off-budget items. And um, here's a, a reserve comparison, which is uh, uh, a great little graphic to, uh, to, just to see the Lord's faithfulness in um, how our reserves have, have stayed up. Uh, even as we've gone through this economic downturn, 
Um, the Lord has continued to provide. You, we have continued to give. And so um, we're financially strong. And I'll, I'll uh, refer back to this number, not necessarily to this graph later in the presentation as we talk about the vision for 2012. But, um, you know, we, we based on that um, projected number that we worked with as elders uh, last November, uh, we thought that we would uh, we would end the year at about seventy eight thousand dollars, just under seventy nine thousand dollars in our reserve. And uh, lo and behold, you know, we're well over one hundred and thirty thousand. And again, you know, we're thankful for that because uh, um, we even learned this year. I think Pastor Mike had an opportunity to speak with the leadership of another local church. And and when when Mike shared with them what our reserves were in our general fund, um, they were they were taken aback. Because they're, they're, they, they don't have such strong reserves. And so it's just something to be thankful for and uh, resources that we, uh, we may need to, to, to put to work here. Uh, we don't know. We'll see how the Lord uses us, but it, uh, how he leads us. But it's nice to know that those funds are there. Um, so with that in mind, I will uh, uh, entertain questions. And while I do that, you guys have been sitting a long time. I'm a baseball player. It's time for a seventh inning stretch. So why don't you go ahead and stand up? Stretch your legs. Um, if you need a financial packet, we do still have some uh, several hard copies. If you want to just uh, maybe stay standing up and we'll get those distributed for you. And um, the questions don't, uh, as far as 2011, don't have to be um, restricted to finances. Uh, I think anything that's been presented from any of the guys, we could throw it open for that as well. We do want to keep our eyes on the clock, though, so we um, won't take too many of those. Let me grab my computer. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll have to... Make up some words for that, huh? Take me out to the annual meeting or something like that. I'll let you write that, Brian. You can write that jingle. Justin, do you need a packet or do you have a question? Okay, question. Go ahead. Okay, Justin's uh, question is, what is the difference between the existing building fund and the capital growth fund? Um, Let's see. I'll take my best shot at it. Milton's smiling at me. Um, I guess the word that comes to my mind is flexibility. Uh, we don't know where the Lord's going to lead us. That's a good question, Jonathan. There's a possibility that they would be merged, but there's some technical issues that need to be dealt with. And... Uh, so I, I probably would rather deal with those. And just it's not a big secret, but the folks who gave to the building fund, if we were, let's say, to use that for a different person, a purpose, building fund usually means you're building something. Um, let's say, for example, the Lord leads us to plant a church and stay here. Uh, technically, we would need to go back to the folks who gave to the building fund. And make sure that they are okay with uh, repurposing those funds. So it's, it's more of a technical thing. But um, as far as a capital growth fund, it gives us a heavy, a heavy you know, trust, a heavy responsibility. But the flexibility that we feel like we need. We, we need to start saving now. 
but we don't know exactly what we're going to be using that for. So hopefully that answers your question. I'm sure Pastor Milton can do a much better job. Michelle in the balcony. Did I say that? Oh, okay. Any question, Michelle? Approximately total about a hundred K. Okay. Yeah. And we can't use it because we don't have the Any other questions? Okay, remember the rules. Remember the rules on making a motion, but I'll accept a motion to accept the financial report for 2011 as given. Lyle Kimball moves second. Cindy Ben Shadler seconds. Any further questions or discussion? All those in favor say aye. Any opposed? The motion is carried. All right, we're moving on to 2012 and vision for 2012. Again, here's the uh, the full uh, picture of what our spending uh, is, looks like, at least at this point, anyway. Um, uh, spending from the, the general fund giving, uh, the Agape Fund continuing to uh, expand the vision for mercy uh, through the Agape Fund, the building fund, 
and the Missions Vision Fund, as far as, uh, like Mike just said. Um, as far as the general fund is concerned, and that's a key thing that um, we'll be uh, presenting and, um, and making a motion here in a second, is uh, 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 here are some of the key considerations that the elders took into account as we have been discussing uh, the vision for 2012 when it comes to our day-to-day operations through the, um, the, the general fund. You know, our recent giving trends, um, the last quarter of 2011 was, was uh, very uh, influential in our decisions. Um, the reserve balance, the fact that uh, our reserve balance stayed above 100000 and uh, is, is, uh, is healthy. Um, we also had to take into account that the, un- the, the, the economy is, uh, is, seems to be stabilizing, but it's an uneven stabilization. And uh, uh, so those are just some of the things that we took into consideration during our discussion. Uh, one of our, our, our premium or primary uh, emphasis as we begin our discussions, as we begin, we begin prayer, uh, each one of our, our years, uh, whenever we're doing our budget planning, is uh, we want to be fair in our compensation to our staff. Uh, we feel like that's a biblical mandate, and we work very hard at that. And um, so it's something that we always take into consideration, and then the expansion of vision, as has been said before. Um, some of the key line item changes in the budget there, which you, you have in the packet, um, is, as uh, uh, Milton mentioned earlier in his presentation, uh, Pastor Carlos's compensation is now included 100% uh, on the general fund budget. Um, that's uh, probably uh, uh, probably a good 30 to 40% of the overall increase is just moving that from reserves on the budget. Um, we had health and dental premium increases, in, and uh, the finance committee, um, after much discussion and prayer, um, decided that, that we wanted to absorb the full cost of that on the budget. And uh, you may recall last year um, we passed some of the cost on to the staff. The staff uh, wanted to do that. They wanted to absorb, absorb some of the costs, and we also changed the plan. And so they absorbed more costs not only through uh, reduction in their salary to cover additional premiums, but also um, by changing the plan so that their co-payments went up. And uh, so we wanted to keep that in mind. And so we're covering uh, the cost increases for 2012. Uh, ministry vision was adjusted. We, um, uh, I guess, uh, amended our process. We uh, edited it a little bit and uh, tried to make it a little more thorough as we interacted with the ministry leaders this year. And um, something that is a personal goal of mine as a treasurer for 2012 is to um, see that uh, that process get filled out and so uh, um, and and also become more consistent. And so. Uh, for those of us, those of you in the audience that, uh, that are ministry um, leaders, um, hold me accountable um, throughout the year and, and the rest of the elders as well. The elders in oversight uh, to continue this discussion about vision so that one of the one of the benefits will be that whenever we do talk about budget for 2013 or, or whatever that period of time may be in the future, it's, it's not such a crunch. We want to try to get away from the crunch time and, and make it more of a smooth process. We'll see how we can get. It's a, it's a good goal to have. Um, facility lease increase. Um, and just uh, it's time to renegotiate our lease with, with EFC. And, um, and they've asked us for an increase and the elders agreed to that. And so that's a part of the um, change in the budget as well. And then we were able to increase the uh, take that next step in increasing the Greens mission support. Um, the, the number there that's in the to the far right, the biggest highlight is the is the number for the year six forty three two oh five. 
$37,830, 6.2% above 2011 budget. As I mentioned, you know, um, almost 40% of that is just moving from reserves onto budget. So uh, it's not new money from that perspective. It's just now uh, going to be showing up on a monthly basis. Um, but, you know, it's also uh, less above what our actual giving was in 2011. And so uh, we feel good about that. And, um, you know, just last comment I'll make before we open it for questions, just uh, as far as, you know, just the fact that our, our reserve is at the level it is really, uh, I think, um, gives all of us as elders some confidence about our budget for uh, uh, for 2012. You know, it's a sizable increase, but um, I, I just have thought of it this way, that if our if our giving stayed level or even if it dropped a little bit, um, we would still have a very healthy reserve fund going into 2013. And so, um, anyway, that's it. And I'll open it for any questions about the 2012 budget. And as always, feel free to come up and see me afterwards. I say this every year, but um, no one in this room is happier than I am that Alvin is the treasurer because I used to have to do that and I, I was not technologically savvy enough and got handed to me uh, these sheets of paper that I had to do it on and it would take hours just writing it all out. So thank you, Alvin, for uh, being the treasurer for Cornerstone. And at this time, I will uh, accept a motion to affirm the uh, 2012 uh, financial plan. Um, it is constitutionally it's not required of us as elders to um, have congregation approval of this, but we present this to you, and we always want to know the Lord's direction through our, our people. And so we want to know um, if you would affirm this with us. So at this time, I'll accept a motion to affirm the... Uh, oh, Brian... Name? Brian Q. Moves. Do we have a second? Dave Huber seconds. Any further questions or discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay, that affirmation is approved. Um, and now at this time, I will appro- uh, uh, accept a motion to uh, recess our meeting until May. Would somebody like to move that? John Gator moves that. Do we have a second? Jenny Swenson, you're supposed to say your name. Jenny Swenson seconds that. Any further questions or discussion? All those in favor say aye. Any opposed? Motion is carried. All right. Bill Payne will come up and close us in prayer. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you just for the, um, the things that we've uh, seen tonight. Um, Lord, your grace is just so apparent in how you're moving among your people. And Lord, as we plan and think about our new year, I know my heart just uh, trusts um, in your love for your people, um, not in our wisdom. Um, but Lord, you love this church. You love the people of this church. And Lord, we just pray that over these next Uh, a few months of prayer, that you would direct us um, in answering some of the key questions that we have. Lord, thank you for all you've done tonight. 
I thank you for the things that you're doing. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, it's at this time that uh, we have a special presentation, so... Yeah, I'd like to ask the uh, Vincent family to come on up here, please. Kids also, Donna. Is Donna in here? Come on up here, guys. Uh, we wanted to express our appreciation for your ministry to us uh, for the last 20 years. Thank you for being willing to hear God's call on your lives and for investing yourselves in the ministry here at Cornerstone. 
Your impact on our lives has been profound and God will continue to use it through the years. Brooke, Brendan, Benjamin, and Brianna, thank you for growing up with us. We know that being a pastor's kid is not always the easiest life. The time that your parents have had to invest in others sometimes takes them away from you. So thank you for sacrificing for us all. Donna, thank you for being willing to be a pastor's wife. Thank you for the millions of things you do behind the scenes to support your husband. Thank you for the time you've invested uh, leading the Christmas program in those early years, uh, for teaching Sunday school. And I don't know if you know this, but it was in one of your Sunday school classes that my daughter was convicted of her need for Jesus. Uh, being part of our homeschool group, homeschool group at Cornerstone and your help in the women's ministry. Your investment has made an eternal difference, and we thank God for you. Milton, thank you for being sensitive to the Lord and hearing and responding to his call in your life. Thank you for the many late nights working on the final touches to your sermons. Thank you for never preaching at us something that you didn't want to do yourself. Thank you for sharing your life with us, your experiences, and the things that God has taught you. Thank you for taking us all on your journey into the gospel. Your investment, your preaching investment will last throughout eternity. I want to close with a quote from D.L. Moody. He said that there is no use trying to do church work without love. A doctor, a lawyer may do good work without love, but God's work can never be done without love. So the Vincent family, thank you for loving us for 20 years. At this time, we'd like to present a gift to Donna and Milton to celebrate their ministry to, to us uh, here at Cornerstone. Uh, but this gift does come with a few contingencies. Um, you're going to get a gift from us and you're to use it uh, for the purpose that it's given. You are not allowed to use this on any car repairs, house repairs, tuition, weddings, or even a gift to the Capital Growth Fund. It is not allowed out of this uh, gift to you. So please uh, accept this gift with Cornerstone's deepest gratitude. Um, Mike, with his printing skills, printed this nice little... Uh, thank you for your love. To the, to, uh, this certificate is awarded to Milton and Donna Vincent. Uh, we have uh, the congregation has given to this, and if you were unable to give today, it, uh, we are accepting gifts to this up through February 12th uh, that you can give to Alvin. Um, but don't please do not give that in the regular offering, uh, but give it to Alvin separately. Uh, but it's to Milton and Donna. So far, we have $1,500 for a vacation fund. And uh, the elders have agreed to give you an extra week of vacation time for this year. So. So we're going to have a uh, closing song, and afterwards, uh, you are all invited to the Fellowship Hall to continue our celebration with a feast of lasagna, which is Milton's favorite meal. And there will be a, a microphone there available for you to share any fond memories that you have of Milton and Donna's impact on your lives at that time in the Fellowship Hall. So worship team, come on up. <laughs>